Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Archivist with Attitude podcast. I am your host and the Archivist with Attitude, Joseph Shea. We are here this week, uh, May 17th, 2020, to do a belated Mother's Day special. And this is episode is a little bit over the, all over the place. We've got, I'm going to talk a little bit about, or probably a lot about, um, my mom and Mother's Day and and a little reflection this year, but also this episode is late because we've had some developments in our local school district here in Aberdeen that I wanted to cover, and I wanted to make sure I had my research thoroughly done before I do a cop and attitude segment about the goings-on at the school district. First and foremost, though... Um, I wanted to send some thank yous out this week to some friends of mine. The last couple of weekends, I have been putting together an outdoor storage shed from a Costco flat pack shed set of plans and lumber and a carpenter I am not and construction skills I have not. And I want to give big thanks to my buddy Chris who I know as a listener, he came over and we spent 13 hours in 80 plus degree weather last Saturday getting the shed in the ground and framed and leveled and siding put up. Oh man, it was crazy to take a quote from, or to paraphrase a favorite children's show of mine growing up, Rocco's Modern Life, Shed Building Day is a very dangerous day. And so I want to thank him, and I want to thank a friend of mine, Kim Skinner, for loaning some tools that were helpful in the framing, an air nailer and a compressor. And also this Saturday, I did some more work on it, yesterday that is, and I want to thank my buddy Justin Barlow for coming over and helping with the roofing and the sheeting and doing some other trim work, and his girlfriend Beth, because she is a roofing machine, she got up there with me and ran circles around me while we were finishing the roof up. So without them, I, all that crew, I could not have gotten this done. And I want to thank them so very, very much. So let's get into business today and let's cop an attitude because I am a bit frustrated and I'm sorry for the crinkling and the clicking and that, but I've got notes in front of me because I want to make sure that the information I'm getting out is as correct as I can get it to you from the sources I've gotten it from, and they are valid sources. I'm not going to divulge names, and I'm not going to say whom, because I don't know if they want that out there, but they are folks directly involved with this, and for the record, no, one of them is not my wife, um, but they are folks directly involved at the Aberdeen School District. So I am copying an attitude because... In the last couple of weeks, there have been some drastic cuts to the Aberdeen School District in terms of their teachers and in soon to be possibly in terms of their paraeducated paraeducators and their cooks and their janitorial staff. And the district is the predominantly the school board and the superintendent are making some drastic to-the-bone cuts that are dramatically going to affect our students and their education in the Aberdeen School District next year. 
so last week I found out that uh, f- five and a half teachers were rift and 42 teachers were non-renewed. And let me explain some uh, semantics here because it's important in a school district and for teachers when you're talking about unemployment or when you're talking about employment and unemployment they use some different terminology than others they use a term called rift or riffing and a year being a riff year it's r-i-f-f and what a riff is is it's essentially what that means is it's it's a you are not going to be employed by the school you were working for however we are going to keep you in the pool and assuming there is a spot to plug you into next year that is where you will be so essentially it means they will move a teacher from one school to another and in the grade school realm that or in a grade to middle school realm it's interesting because so for instance my wife has a k-8 endorsement and a special education endorsement so if she were to be rift she could be moved from teaching special education to teaching pe in the eighth grade or teaching math at the junior high because her certificate is to design to cover any and all of those fields her Specialty is in special education and young, and she specialized in teaching young students, but because of the way they certify teaching staff, it allows them to kind of plug and play with with teachers, even though their specified field of study may not be completely in the area that they are moved to. And so five and a half were rift, and then 42 were non-renewed. So to put that into everyday... Uh, employment verbiage a non-renewal is a layoff it's we're not going to keep you in the pool we're not going to plug you anywhere else you're done and if we actually open up positions that you would qualify for you're not in the pool we're not going to plug you in you actually have to reapply for our district and reapply for that position, redo your interview process, redo your application and see if you get rehired. And some things that are incredibly frustrating about this are a, at the base level, I'm if if nobody here or nobody that's listening knows a teacher, uh, personally, I can tell you from being married to one and having seen her apply and go through the rigorous process of application and, and interviews as stressful as that is for an everyday person it's more nightmarish i would argue for teachers because their applications aren't past work experience just excuse me they aren't just past work experiences references etc etc standard application procedure it's also they have to write essays on specific topics depending on the district's set up they'll ask specific essay questions they have to show where their teaching experience is what grade levels there is so much more paperwork involved in a teacher's application for work than any standard job application it's amazing what they have to go through so basically these 42 people that were 
fired or laid off are now having to fill out those applications for other districts, may have to move away from the harbor. That not only impacts our students, but it impacts our other businesses here. That's 42 people with income that would be shopping at Swanson's, shopping at Home Depot, shopping at our local stores and generating or in being generating motors for our economy here. They they will probably pack up and leave. They've got two school districts. Well, they got several districts in the harbor, but we are a sparse community, so they may be moving either completely outside the harbor or to different areas to find work. And the craziest thing with or one of the craziest things with this layoff or with these these cuts is that they all happen during Teacher Appreciation Week. So we really appreciate our teachers in the Aberdeen School District, apparently. Also, um, something to note, these cuts were done, as I said, by the administration, by the superintendent and the school board. From my sources on the inside, they tell me that the principals of the schools were not even notified that these cuts were being made. Letters were sent out to the teachers who were cut saying you're done and the principals were not notified. So in fact, as I understand it, some of the principals found out um, via phone calls from their teachers saying, hey, what's going on here? And what happened, and they had no answers. So it's been incredibly trying. And then just this week, there's more scuttlebutt about, as I was saying, the um, non, I think they call them the non-certificated staff, which is your uh, lunchroom people, your janitors, your paraeducators, your um, secretaries, your, I mean, basically all non-teachers in the district some of those cuts are looking to be astronomical i'm hearing of the 160 paras para educators which is a classroom the teacher's assistants and the people who essentially teach kids alongside the teachers who get paid a minimum wage and work way harder than what they get paid um they are going from, there's 160 of them in the Aberdeen School District. They're looking to possibly cut 120. Those are the numbers that we're hearing now. Tentatively, there's, it's not for sure yet, but, but that is what's on the floor right now. So let's get in a little bit to um, the reasoning, or at least what my sources are telling me that that's the understanding for the reasoning of these cuts right now. So the cuts are being made so that the Aberdeen School District can follow a, a budget model called the Prototypical Base Budget. And it's a model that was designed, um, I think, Washington State, I don't know if it's a state-by-state -state model or if it's national. I should have asked that and I apologize for not having done so. But per the Washington State RCWs, the regs, the prototypical model for funding for schools is basically the legal minimum that school districts have to supply for their students. And it's super ironic because 
in the, uh, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it's, it's interesting and somewhat sad. So in the actual RCW itself, and I am reading this verbatim from the, from app.ledge.wa.gov, the RCW, which is RCW 28A.1.50.260, which is the allocation of state funding to support instructional program of basic education distribution formula per pupil allocations, blah, 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 blah. So it's the, it is the prototype, the legalese of the prototypical base model. It says in paragraph 3A, the use of prototypical schools for the distribution formula does not constitute legislative intent that schools should be operated or structured in a similar fashion as the prototypes. So basically they're saying, here's your base model, but ideally you should not necessarily follow these. It says prototypical schools illustrate level of resources needed to operate a school of a particular size with particular types and grade levels of students using a commonly understood terms of input or terms and input such as class size, hours of instruction, and various categories of school staff. So they're trying to lay a bru- ah, excuse me, lay a blueprint for basic funding levels. However, these numbers don't work. It's, it's, I mean, we're talking base, base levels here. So they give a little breakdown of what they expect for class sizes um, based on this model. Great for grades K through three, they expect 17 students per class. Grade four, they expect 27. Grades five through six, 27 students per class. Grades seven through eight, uh, 28.53 students and grades 9 through 12, 28.74. And I can tell you for fact that most of those class sizes in in reality are far, far exceeded. Those numbers are far exceeded in most classrooms. Now let's get into some some actual funding numbers. And, and I'm sorry I'm throwing numbers at you guys, but it's it's important to get an understanding of of how bare bones this this model is that the district is using to make these cuts and just to give you an understanding these these numbers in this rcw are based on um they're based on school districts with a thousand students in them um i'm trying to find give me a second here are the Numbers, the, yes, staff per 1,000 K-12 students. And so in that staffing numbers, we're looking at for, so per 1,000 students for the elementary schools. And and to give another number point, so the state numbers are based on a 1,000 per 1,000 students. Aberdeen School District per the Washington State uh, report card at the uh, OSPI, which is oh, the office of S- school or the office of school and public instruction or something to that effect. And I apologize. My acronyms are not great, but according, but it's essentially the Washington. Yes. Office, office of the superintendent of public instruction. Uh, Joe read the webpage. 
Um, so per per our state agency that governs our public school districts, the Aberdeen School District has 3,537 students. So the numbers I'm giving you from the RCW need to be essentially tripled or three and a half times what they should be. And that makes your, your prototypical model. Um, so per prototypical model, we, they would require 1.253 principals for elementary, 1.353 for middle school, 1.880 per high school. That's per 1000 students in the K-12. And so you're, Thinking, we're thinking here at least three elementary, three middle, three high. Um, and what gets crazy is you start getting into some of the other positions, um, the para positions. We're talking uh, teacher librarians, so information literacy, technology, media support, school library, media programs. At an elementary school of, you figure this elementary school they want a half-time person in that position per elementary school. And that's, you're talking a school that's a half-time person serving 400 kids, roughly. This is, it's crazy. School nurses, they want a less than half-time. They're talking 0.076 school nurses, social workers, 0.042 per 1,000 for elementary middle school is middle school and high school are less than half a percentage for school nurses, social workers, and psychologists. And my wife is a special education teacher. She needs her school psychs. They help her or they are an integral part of evaluations and of IEP writing. They have to be on that team. And these minimums don't meet the numbers we're talking here. It's, it's insane. Um, facilities, maintenance, and grounds, they're per, per 1,000, because they base this on per 1,000 kids. They don't base it on number of physical school buildings in a district. They base it on per 1,000 students. So try cramming however many kids in a building. I mean, these numbers get ridiculous. So tech staff, the uh, little over a half of a person. So 0.628 for, for tech. Facilities maintenance, one8 eight maintenance people per a thousand students. Um, and then you got down, we go down here and we're going to get into the actual teacher numbers. And I'm basing these numbers off of some mathematics per the, the statistics that are given from OSPI and regarding the RCW class sizes. So, I'm again, I'm on that report card page from OSPI and in the Aberdeen School District. We're just going to pick a couple of schools I'm familiar with in the district. We'll look at uh, McDermott Elementary. Okay. And this is an elementary school. So you figure they want K, as we said, you know, they want K3 grades, 17, one teacher per 17 students. Well, in that entire school, you're looking at 303 students. And I'm, I'm not sure what your K3, the amount of K3 students, because they don't break it down that much. But they have 27, student, 27 teachers for 303 students. 
which keeps your class sizes very manageable. Now, based on the amount of cuts that were just put in place, we're talking essentially the entire... Now, don't misconstrue this. They did not cut the entire McDermott teaching staff, but the fact that they that they removed 42 or they non-renewed 42 teachers and rift five and a half for a total of 47 and a half teachers, you've basically theoretically could have removed the entire teaching staff from McDermott elementary. And so out of the 300, let's see, we got, like I said, 303 students out of 230 teachers, you basically remove 47 and a half, you've cut over a quarter of your teaching staff. This is not sustainable because those student numbers are not necessarily going to go down and you're, you're not meeting, you're not meeting your requirements, let alone the requirements of the McCleary decision that passed recently. And so to get into why this had to be done according to the superintendent and the and others is that there is some funding that Washington or that rural districts like Aberdeen, Hoquiam, Grace Harbor area schools get and it's called it's level levy equalization funding and what that does is is it boosts the amount of money that uh, rural schools get to help offset the cost of the lower property values in this area because silly as it is the funding for schools comes almost entirely from taxes on property values so to give an idea if you live in seattle and you live in a high rent district in seattle and your home is worth eight million dollars you're going to be paying a lot more in property taxes to your schools and therefore your schools are going to be better. You're going to, they're going to be more they're going to be more well funded. In areas like Grays Harbor where our average property values and this may even be a, a high guesstimate is say, you know, $100,000 average, you're going to get way less tax money for your for your schools, for your area. So these levy equalization funds level that out and, and create a more even playing field. The district is under the impression that they are not getting these levy funds. And I talked to Representative Theringer and Representative Taco, and they said, look, they told me, I, I spoke with them in a Zoom meeting recently, and they said that money is there. We are required to fund schools. McClary makes us, the McClary decision makes us fund schools. That money is there. So the curiosity at the moment and the frustration at the moment is why were these cuts made when the money is there? And apparently um, Congressman Derek Kilmer, who's at the federal level with all this, he's been reaching out to the administration uh, the superintendent and has gotten no returns. So Derek, I doubt you're listening to this, but if you are, thank you and keep up the good work. The other, um, and a side note to all of this, one of the other crazy things that, that has been going on in the Aberdeen school district is, is when the teachers were released, um, when COVID hit, 
they locked all the doors to the schools, you know, clean, disinfect, that kind of thing. But the crazy thing is they changed the locks. So none of the staff, none of the principals, the paras, the teachers, anybody had access to the schools. And they've only opened them a couple of times for brief periods to get their, their stuff out. For me personally, our house has has some rooms taken up with some of my wife's teaching stuff, but she's still got a bunch of it in, in both classrooms because, as I believe I've said before, she was split between two schools. So they haven't even been able to get access to their stuff to plan for next year if they'll even, you know, for when they can actually go back. Hopefully they can with all of the stuff going on. And they're using COVID as an explanation for part of this too. I don't get it. I don't understand. And I'm frustrated to just freak out and make assumptions and turn people's lives upside down and cut income to people at a time when they can least afford to have their income cut on a notion that's on, on misinformation or a miscue or facts that aren't being relayed correctly. I don't get this. I will be following up on this on next week's podcast, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to a rally tomorrow night at the um, with a bunch of the teachers and union members and and people who are directly involved in this, and I hope to get some more information and to see if anybody knows anything more. Because as of right now, all we know is that these drastic cuts and the severe bloodletting was done on information that as far as I know from having talked to state representatives is not true that levy will be there. The levy is there. And if the funds are already spent, where did they go? There's just so much that isn't making sense right now. And it's infuriating and it could not have happened at a worse time. And my heart goes out to the teachers who have been, non-renewed and the teachers who have been riffed in my heart goes out if the decision is made to start removing paraeducators and the other non-certificated staff i'm i can't express how sad i am for them and for others many of them um in the teachers that have been non-renewed or i've i know many of them and I'm, and my wife is friends with many of them and they're good people they love their kids. And and I wanted to do this copying an attitude on this episode. And, and I realize Mother's, Mother's Day is a gender-specific thing. But my mom always taught me that your teachers are, in terms of respecting them and caring about them and loving them, they are the same as your parents. I mean, your kids spend probably more time with their teachers in their young lives than they do with their parents in many cases. And they love their kids, whether the teachers are male or female, they love the kids they teach as if they were their own children. And to do this to them at such a time, to do this at all is is horrific, but to do it at such a time with essentially no clear reasoning and no definitive information is absurd and devastating. And to all of them, thank you for what you do. 
and this will get better. There are people going to fight. I am one of them, and I will share my voice when I can and, and everywhere I can and get the message out that our teachers are important, and we need them, and we love them. And to go on to, to, to jump from that note, I don't really have a good segue. I do want to talk a little bit about um, Mother's Day. I want to wish Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and all of the, and all of the grandmothers out there and, and everybody that, and aunts and, and, and nieces and whoever has the motherly influence in your life. Happy Mother's Day to them. And I want to talk a little bit about um, my mom and and with it being, you know, with this being the belated Mother's Day episode, talk a little bit about her and how much I miss her and uh, what she meant to me. In recent years, I've had the opportunity to reflect on my my childhood. Um, and, and for those that don't know, my when I was in graduate school, I was 23. My mother passed away in 2009 um, of cancer. She fought that battle hard. She fought it harder than than I've ever seen anybody fight anything. Um, for 10 years, she was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer in oh 99 late 99, mid, no, might've even been mid 99. And I apologize. My time frame is a little off the, the battle that she undertook really has had some, it had devastating effects on her, obviously, but also on myself. And I don't want to speak too much for my brother and my stepfather, but I know it did on them. And in terms of timeline and memories and, that it it has caused a rather dramatic impact on my my memories of my mother and my memories of that time because there was so much darkness in it it's it's hard cancer is awful the treatments are awful and it does horrible things not to everybody but to a lot of people i don't know that i've ever talked to anybody that's lived with or been close to somebody who's had to fight cancer that has many positive stories to tell about it. So, but anyway, she was diagnosed then. Um, it was a cancer that engulfed her salivary gland. Her entire salivary gland was removed. They did radiation treatments um, and put that cancer in remission. The radiation treatments did incredible damage to her jaw and her teeth and her neck on the side of her face that was done and I can't remember I think it was the right side of her face if I'm not mistaken um and it caused some permanent issues she couldn't eat spicy foods for the rest of her life and she couldn't um like anything with spice her jaw was damaged the bones her teeth it it made them brittle and damaged it was horrible stuff and then she was diagnosed um, in 2008 with breast cancer that they had found had metastasized into her lungs. And she was gone within a year. Um, actually, she passed away um, 
in about <laughs> about six months after her dad did of cancer, give or take. And uh, so, and I say these, I say all of this to to help you to understand that that in reflecting back on my mom, it's been incredibly difficult because so the cancer changed her, altered her temperament, her um. And it altered my relationship with her in a way that it had, it has, and had become very difficult for me to find positive memories of her. And um, and this is the first time I'm admitting that in in a public forum. Um, and and it's hard, and and I can't even imagine what it's like for my younger brother because it's all he knew. Um, she had been fighting some form or another of cancer since he was about two or three years old. And so I can't even imagine for him. Um, but for me in thinking about it, the things I remember most about her and the things I am most grateful for, uh, to her for are her strength and her determination and, and her love for me. She, she did, tell me that she loved me she told me that she was proud of me and that is a slight double-edged sword because she was my my mom was strict my mom was hardcore she was strict but but I know it was out of love as difficult as it was growing up with and as frustrating as some of it was growing up with I know it was out of out of love she wanted nothing but the best for me because she grew up in such a manner that she was made to feel guilty a lot about her decisions in life and made to feel bad about the decisions she made in her life. And to an extreme, beyond words, extreme point. And because of that, because of that feeling of guilt that, that she had, she was hard on me and my brother because she didn't want us to to make mistakes. She didn't want us to screw up her life the way she was made to believe that, that she had. And she always told me, she said, you know, I never want to see you have to work hard in a grocery store and, and do what I did for a living. And she made a good living. I mean, she kept food on our table and between her and my, my dad when they were married and her and my stepdad when they were married, I mean, we were fed, we were clothed, we've got, in hindsight, more than I, I ever could have wanted as a child. Um, but her life, the life she led, she wanted me not to duplicate in any respect and she had a hard time seeing that there was a lot of positive in her life and so I guess in a way I kind of want to share some of that my my mom was married three times her first husband was in a was in a rock band here locally he was in several rock bands here locally and my love for kiss comes from that relationship from my mother who got to see them in person in their early days because her husband's band opened for them at a college in, in, I want to say Olympia, Seattle, Tacoma area here. I'd have to look at, I've got a book of 
all of Kiss's tour dates, and and there are a couple in there in their early days of some small college venues they played up here, and um, and so my love for music and my passion for music comes from my mother. Music motivated her much the same that it does me. My drive to succeed and my willingness to not quit and not give up come from her. My passion for life and for keeping on no matter what comes from her. My work ethic comes from her. Uh, I get my, from what I understand, I get my smile from her and I get my eyes from her and for that I'm grateful and I'm sorry if I'm tearing up I know that's not professional but again like I said you know I I wish she was here there are days where I wish I could get her opinion even though you know as I've said in hindsight sometimes I as an adult I may not want her opinion because it was she was hardcore and she was harsher sometimes than she needed to be but but she could light up a room she could bring joy like nobody I've ever seen and as my wife tells me constantly she was so proud of me and my brother and she gushed about us and I think a lot of why she was as hard as she was on us is because she wanted to be able to gush and be able to have that pride in something. She wanted to know, have control of something that she could know that she did right because she was never given the out of girls and, and you're doing good thing. Her mom was harsh and vicious I could almost say at points to her I mean the, when my mom was with was pregnant with me in the hospital and about to give birth the nurses at the hospital had to tell her mom not to call there anymore because she was stressing my mom out so bad it was rising raising her blood pressure to stroke levels and she nearly uh, and she was having enough medical trouble with, with me. She didn't need any more. And, and it nearly killed us a couple of times. So, I mean, her mother was no saint. And to come from that and to want so much better for her kids, I'm beyond grateful for that. And I always toast with my friends when we get together because for a lot of us, a lot of us have lost our, our mothers and to somewhat wrap this up because I don't want to keep rambling anymore to my mom, to paraphrase an old mash quote that I love wherever you are, whether you know it or not, you did good. So before I break that any further, I want to say thank you to the mothers out there. Thank you to the teachers out there. And we'll follow up a little more next week, and maybe we'll do a little COVID discussion next week. But everybody, to as Bill and Ted tell us all, be excellent to each other. We'll see you next week.